Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about why so many people are unhappy and what we can do about it. Yeah, we're going to look at the sources of unhappiness, and we're going to look at ways that you can uh, combat the things that are making you unhappy and give you true joy in your life. With man's search for meaning, man truly searches for happiness. Let's figure out why. Grateful to be back in the studio with you guys again, Father Rich, Ryan. Good to see you guys. We have Paul George here. Really excited to have you on the show, Paul. Thanks for coming. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be here. Paul is the executive director for Art of Living, which uh, is a quote from a Pope Benedict uh, document. Very beautiful. Um, uh, the Art of Living helps people find happiness in marriages, organizations, parishes. It's just a really beautiful ministry. We're going to be talking a little bit about that today, but it just bellies into our topic, which is how to find happiness in this world today, mm-hmm. which is important. I'm, I'm excited to talk about and, it. And that's why, you know, Paul comes to us with a great charism that God has given him in the church. And we're very, very happy to have you here, brother. He goes around all over the place, spreading the good news of happiness. And he has this beautiful book, Rethink Happiness. So make sure you check out our social media pages because we're going to have those on there. And clearly, my brothers and sisters, we want you to visit us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and be sure to connect with us on the web at www.catholictalkshow.com. There you'll be able to see every way that you can listen in or view our content. And if you do want to view our content, be sure to go to YouTube, type in Catholic Talk Show, and make sure that you click the subscribe button. And right next to the subscribe button, there's a little bell. If you click that bell, you'll get everything that we produce from top down, left, right for our for our specialized content. It'll be there for you. And my brothers and sisters, a big shout out and a big sense of gratitude from us to our patrons. If you want to be a patron of ours and support our show financially to ensure the success of the show and reaching new markets, go to patreon.com forward slash Catholic Talk Show. There you'll see many tiers of how you could support us financially to ensure that content like this can get out to as many people as possible. Thank you. Well, thank you for that. That made me happy. (laughs) (laughs) That made me happy, too. See a little contribution into each other's life, I think, but in in all seriousness. You're a sunshine in my life. And I feel the same way about you, (laughs) Sheila. I really do. You know, a lot of people comment on our show, and they love watching it because of the joy that we all share together. And, um, you know, it's out of friendship and and, uh, in our faith and sharing our faith and doing it in this way. Um, I think it's, it's very authentic and explicit that, that we uh, experience joy around each it's other. It's also very intentional. Uh, there's, you know, people send us messages. Why aren't you covering this controversy? Or why aren't you talking about this? And why aren't you harder on this liberal? And why aren't you doing this or that? And it's like, we don't want to do that. There's so much division, so much mm-hmm. unhappiness. And the church needs to be a source, a source of joy in the world. And I don't want to go to my judgment and have, have uh, the Lord say to me, why did you cause more division? I mean, there is enough unhappiness in this world to go around without us contributing to it. And there's enough it. joy to share with the world Absolutely. and our faith. And, and that's why we're glad to have you on to talk about this. I think, you know, examining what, uh, I think before we even examine happiness, I think we have to examine why people are unhappy. Unhappy, And, you know, there's a lot to it. I mean, there's uh, there's the medical side of things. There's you know, the abandonment that people have experienced in their life from people. Societal Isolation. 
And I think we're drawing closer to the to the sense of what is our unhappiness by way of what we express in our joy. Mm-hmm. Our our friendship is is a great joy to me, and and our communion and fellowship with all the saints in heaven and the fellowship that we experience in the Catholic Church, coming together and celebrating the divine mysteries, brings me great joy as a priest. But just as a Catholic, just as a follower of Christ, it's our togetherness that we're walking together is is a source of great joy but i think the isolation and people feeling alone and feeling depressed and by themselves and nobody understands my suffering that that's a very dark place of unhappiness yeah so many people who listen to our show have expressed that they have a lot of loneliness in their lives and that listening to us allows them to at least feel for a few minutes that they're they're part of something they're in a conversation and you know that's that's what we want to do. I mean, that's we want to be there for people. We want to spread joy. I mean, that's that's our purpose here. And we yeah. are so happy that you are a part of our community with the Catholic Talk Show. And we've been developing these bonds through social media ties. It's it's pretty awesome. And and especially to Paul. I mean, Paul, it's great to have you on the show, to, to get to know you and to share your gifts with, with our viewers and our listeners. So this book, Rethink Happiness. Dare to embrace God and experience true joy. What was the inspiration behind this? And and you know what what is what's your thought? Where's process? that title come yeah. from? Yeah. Well, I think the inspiration was my own quest for happiness, right? And I think we we can all relate to that. Yeah. Anyone who's listening can relate to the fact that if you ask someone a question, "Do you want to be happy?" No one would say no because it, it's a desire in our heart. God created us for happiness, and then people say, "Well, why didn't you call it rethink joy?" Like you should. Happiness and joy interchangeable. Like, let's not get stu- get stuck on semantics, right? Like, we all desire happiness and joy in our life. To get to your question, how was it inspired other than my own search and quest? Pope Benedict. Mm. You know, a lot of people say, you know, happiness is sort of this new agey term. I, I mean, read back to the saints and popes. They talked about happiness. Go back all the way to Augustine. He talks about happiness, finding happiness. But if there's no end to the means, if there's no source of your happiness it's incomplete mm-hmm. right right yeah it's kind of patchy yeah it, you know it 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 just falls apart right basically yeah and you told me a really cool uh again tying to pope benedict the 16th where the title of your book came from rethink happiness you want yeah. to explain that yeah absolutely so the word rethink uh pope benedict was right when he was cardinal ratzinger uh he wrote a document and said the word conversion metanoia which we've all heard uh, means conversion. It says when it's translated back into the English, it means to rethink. Mm-hmm. So the word conversion meaning to rethink. And that really kind of hit me. Like w- all the questions that I'm asking in here is my rethinking. It's my process of conversion. Everyone out there is thinking about something. Am I happy? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do with my life? Why am I lonely? You know, w- you know, why am I miserable? You know, I, it, they're asking these questions. And when, when you're rethinking your life and you begin to rethink it through the lenses of God's plan for your life, uh, that's where conversion begins to take place. Uh, I, I think people are having conversions even though they're not thinking about God because they're thinking about life. They're rethinking, I'm not happy. Where do I find it? And that's mm-hmm. what you're saying. We can find, try to find happiness in so many different places. And ultimately, a lot of those places or dead ends. Yeah. What Everybody, about like, uh, like when in, in your research and how you've built this and your own experience, like, you know, the, the, the source of unhappiness, sometimes we don't really recognize in our lives. I think that, um, one, one thing that I see is that people don't know why they're unhappy, mm-hmm. you know, and some people are able to rethink things clearly. Maybe it's through the grace of God. Maybe it's just through their own sort of mental capacity, but, 
you know, what, what are you, how, how do you like look at people who are unhappy and say you're confused, you're, they're, you're confused before, you know? before you respond to that, just pastorally speaking, I hear that over and over again, men and women of all different ages coming really? to me and, and they're expressing that they're depressed. They're expressing that they're unhappy, but they can't figure out why. Yeah. And totally. there's a lot of techniques of how I approach it, but interesting to to find out from your perspective and your charism is clearly driven into this space and would love for you to shed light on that. Yeah, it's interesting. You're talking about loneliness. And when I was studying the book, there was a study that said that um, grown men will die more from loneliness than they will from heart disease or obesity. How does that manifest like, itself in the passing away? It's just like this idea it of like destroys like, their bodies. It's, it, it, it exhibits itself just psychosomatically and joy and, and interaction. You know, I, I work with couples all the time. They say, I had no idea when I got married, I would still be lonely. Yeah. You know, so this quest for happiness, one of the things I talk about is um, this <clears throat> idea of destination happiness. Um, Fulton Sheen talked a little bit about it and who's going to be a saint. I believe yeah. we just, we yeah. just kind of heard about um, this idea that when I reach a certain point, achieve a certain thing, mm-hmm. uh, get a certain thing, then I will be happy. This idea, I arrive here and then that will be happiness. I get married, I enter my vocation and yet happiness is such an internal quest. I yeah. always, I call that the God sized hole. Mm-hmm. Everybody in their very being has a hole the size of God and there's nothing in the universe and there's nothing in existence or reality bigger than God and nothing smaller than God can ever fill that hole. And you can continue to throw, throw stuff into it, marriage, sex, drugs, success, things, accomplishments, travels. And that hole is the size of a black hole and only God can fill it up until God fits that hole. You are always going to be putting more into it and never being filled up. You might stabilize your joy through some of these false Items, right? By or, numb, or numb it. You're yeah, numbing that. Num- yeah. Numb it. And You're then, feeding your addiction. Your but eventually it's like it counters later and, and it, the reaction is even more deeply. We've all experienced that. You have yeah. a great night out or you go on a good trip or you, yeah. you make a good business deal and you're like, man, that, this is so Feels good. Great. The adrenaline. Yeah. And then you lay in bed at night a week later and you're like, I'm still the same person. Yeah. You know, I'm back at the same yeah. place. Yeah. You know? I, I love that you describe these states of life that you're working toward. You're progressing in life. You're accomplishing these things. Your satisfaction, your happiness is not rooted in the accomplishment. And it reminds me of you because you described, you know, you got to your, the day of your wedding day, you know, and there's so much suffering that goes up to that and so much investment of time and energy and resources and decoration and all this other stuff. And then it, and then it passes. Right. And then what happens? What happens now? What happens the morning uh, after and the right. weeks to come? You know, for my ordination, you know, everything leading up to that place and and laying down nose hitting the marble and, and offering my life to Christ a whole nother degree of suffering entered into my life. Right. And then progressing through that going on for, you know, further studies, Bishop asked me to continue. And then that was a different form of suffering. Then coming back to the, to the diocese, entering into uh, multiple assignments, different stuff. Now as a new baby pastor, I mean, the suffering that I'm experiencing now, it's like you think in your mind, Oh, I'm going to become a pastor and I'm going to be happy. Right. Then this flood of, of suffering comes in. And where, where do we find the stabilizing force right. of 
of our happiness and our joy, it has to be rooted in the crucified Christ. It, in, in my in my opinions, that's where I find my stability. And to the point that you are making, Sheil, Saint Augustine says so beautifully: "Our hearts are restless until they rest in God, resting in the suffering that I'm currently facing, not trying to escape it, not trying to numb it, but embracing it with Christ gives me a sense of I'm not alone." in my darkness. Absolutely. I'm not alone in my suffering. And this is for us as Catholics, as Christians, when we talk about conversion, ultimately we talk about that it's, it, it leads the epicenter of that is a relationship with Christ. I mean, without that, there is no conversion. There is nothing that stabilizes us. There's nothing that, that uh, gives us a foundation to live on. Everything else falls apart. We'll lose our titles. When you die, you won't be pastor anymore. I won't be married anymore. You know, like, like all, everything's going to fade away. And then you kind of lay and realize, like, then what's life about? Yeah. Pope know? Francis said a moving truck doesn't follow the hearse. It just doesn't. Yeah. You know, you don't take it with you. <laughs> no, you don't actually. Yeah, you know, another interesting thing too, there's an ebb and flow of this. Cause I, I think we're all made up of, you know, who we are psychologically, obviously in, in light of God's creation, the gifts and talents that he gives us circumstances that we're in, like you were mentioning, you know, and then the ebb and flow of your life and the the redirection and rethinking. I think for myself, I had a conversion, um, went to the seminary, had suffering. Um, but like there's seasons almost of my soul where when I got married and we started having kids, I was not able to connect to God in prayer the way that brought me all this joy before. Mm-hmm. And so I I went through this, you know, period of unhappiness because I was not able to do the things that I wanted to do to have this relationship with God. And so this spiritual director told me, he's like, you know, you're in a different, a different time of your life. You need to take up different practices. You need to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And so it kind of gave me this awareness where again, I'm having a a conversion again, because I'm having conversions within circumstances of my life. Yeah. You know, you know what that reminds me of is I know we have a a great devotion to Conchita Cabrera, Mm -hmm. you know, and, this, the Seasons of the Soul that she wrote, yeah. that little book. I mean, she's written more than probably St. Thomas Aquinas, brilliant mm-hmm. woman up for up for the cause of canonization as well. But the Seasons of the Soul, it's so true. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people in unhappiness, they, they tend to not be aware of these particular things like myself, right? right. Like I'm, I'm not speaking from a knowledge and understanding. I'm speaking from like, this happened to me. I had to rethink how I was going to be happy even though I knew that Christ was the only way I was going to be happy, I still was unhappy. But because it was like, I, where is Christ where, in the midst of this, right. you know, and suffering I, and season yeah. of my life? Yeah. Where, where is he? And, <clears throat> you know, rethinking without introduction of Jesus is just rethinking. Yeah. And that's why we look into the world and there's so much, you know, like yeah. people think whatever they want and then they just find <clears throat> whatever answer that they want. Yeah. We have the source of truth and the, and the answer in, in Christ, like that's our job in the church is to introduce people to the source of happiness yeah. with, without that, then people just keep rethinking. They develop their own, you know, psychology and philosophies and, you know, it's, and it's just, you know, you, you some of the, it helps like some of the stuff like psych, psychology has brought in has helped you become more aware of yourself and more aware of presenting yourself to God in prayer. Right. And, you know, some of it's kind of crazy. And then you look at pills, you know, like, how many people are on anti-depression drugs? It, it is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. And for a lot of people, it's and for incredibly necessary. Pe- I would helps. say the great majority of people on these medications 
are not receiving that full, they're getting numbed to something that they can utilize to suffer in Christ and grow in a relationship with them. Anxiety is on a huge rise. I think yeah. it's a 50% rise since 2004. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, and look, it's a human element. We all struggle sure. with some oh, type of yeah. stress and Absolutely. anxiety. So if you're sitting there, you're watching, you're listening, and you're like, oh, it's just me. I think that's the biggest lie. It's just me. Yeah. We all desire happiness. We all struggle in that. We're all sinners. We're all broken. Uh, we all struggle with stress and anxiety and worrying about bills and where we're going to go and family and kids and the whole deal. We're all in this together. Yet at the at at the center of that is Jesus wants to walk with us through it. As Father, you mentioned the suffering Christ, the one who walks with us. And this is what's beautiful about our theology is that conversion isn't a one-time moment. It's not a one-day thing. It's not just an aha moment, although you can have those things. Conversion is literally every day. Yeah. It's in every season rethinking, Lord, what am I doing? Where am I? Where are you? This is what draws us into that relationship with Christ. And it's a difficult relationship. Marriage is a difficult relationship. The priesthood is a difficult relationship. It is presents its problems constantly. If it was easy, everyone it would was, do it. Well, it's because there wouldn't be a fifty percent divorce rate. There wouldn't be right. You know, right. A, a Here's where I'm going with it, it though. Would, Our culture is like you can have everything right now. Flip open your app, watch the movies. You can have food delivered to your door. Everything at your fingertips. Amazon, right? Like. The neighbors now don't even talk to anybody because there's no square for them to go for certain. <laughs> the loss item. of community is such a then tragedy. At, then you look it's at massive. people. I don't even use Facebook anymore because it's like somebody's either bragging about themselves because they obviously don't have this deep understanding of peace and joy in their lives, where they're trying to get it from other people on the, in this form. And then you got people who are just angry, who just want to lash out at other people. And then you've got this society of media, this 24-hour news cycle where we got to find someone we got to blame and take everything that they've earned away from them and not forgive them. And right. unfortunately, we don't have Ron Burgundy on the on television every single day because that <laughs> Dude, would make that things would a little be bit awesome, better. Man. But, but no, th- I think social media. What you're bringing up is a great point to unhappiness. I think there's a great correlation to that, and I don't think there has ever been a forum in the history of the world that cultivates the spirit of coveting more effectively than social media. Absolutely. Because as you're scrolling, you're scrolling for some type of stimulation that communicates, I'm happy, I'm okay, I belong. And as you're scrolling, what you're finding is, I'm not that person. I'm not with that person. I don't have that. Here's a vacation spot that I can't afford. My uh, my back's hurting, and I don't have that massager that like works so everything actually, here's out. Here's this guy universe. sharing his faith, and I don't have that faith. Yeah. I mean, that's even the that, you know. that too. The University of California actually did a study about that, and the snowballing and compounding effect of seeing unhappiness or covetedness on social media, and they found that when. Um, what, maybe the weather gets bad and a person uh, posts something because the weather is bad. They increase the negativity of the overall posts. And then when a person sees a negative post, they're then three times more likely to post a subsequent negative of post. So it creates this um, snowball. snowball effect, right? And then Penn State did a study on self-esteem. And they said that people who use um, social media regularly have... Um, a 35% more chance to suffer extreme self-esteem issues. Crazy. Um, there I was believe a, it, hands down. Oh, me too. I have never left a social media platform and not been depressed mm-hmm. yeah. in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
And we've all had it. And I'm not, I mean, we're not, we were talking about it for millennials or not. Like, I didn't grow up with it in my hands, sure, right? Sure, yeah. Until later on. But even, you know, I find myself, I'm scrolling for a while, scrolling for a while, and I feel the same way. Think about these children who are having suicidal ideation that can't get the phone off of their chest because their, their, their whole sociological structure is built into that forum. Their whole lives, their whole reputation, everything is built into that forum. That's incredibly alarming. Yeah, I mean, there is a study where um, people who use social media regularly um, have much higher levels of anxiety and depression. Uh, the uh, University of Humboldt in Berlin did a study that 35% of all people who use social media have extreme feelings of envy and envy spirals. Um, there was a study by the American Journal of Preventative Medicine that said that... Um, uh, let's see, of 19 to 32-year-olds who spend the most time on social media, 50% of them experience extreme loneliness and a lack of social belonging. Can I share a fruit and testimony of Exodus 90, who's one of our sponsors? Exodus 90 is a great program for, for a fraternity of men to live out 90 days of austerity, prayer, and, and you know, Cold showers, no internet, community, no social media. Connectivity with other with actual community, actual yeah. fraternity. I had great experience, but I wanted to speak specifically about social media. When I erased Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and cut off means of communication if people can access I mean, me. you should leave them on to follow us, but besides <laughs> that. But let me tell you, I felt this weight lift off of my chest and my head and it was a real weight that lift, lifted off my of my, Kelly my did, heart. My wife, Kelly, did the same thing. She says the best thing she's ever done mm -hmm. is getting off social media because she's like, it's a waste of time. And the people and the things she sees on there does nothing uplifting. Absolutely. Nothing uplifting well, and that was all. one of the things in, in the book was uh, a correlation to someone's happiness and joy is community. Mm -hmm. And you, you kind of mentioned like this yeah. lack of, you know, community and these relationships and when I speak to people or my wife and I talk to couples and we just kind of like name all the struggles, we just throw it out there. We're very transparent and vulnerable. The thing that we get the most is people come to me and say, I'm glad I'm not alone. I thought I was the only one. Because mm. we live in it's a amazing. culture that's just online or Isolated. they close their garage door. Yeah. And couples don't share the fact that marriage is hard yeah. and priesthood is hard and raising kids is difficult. And, you know, I, I'm broken and I have issues and I need counseling and I'm on antidepressant. Nobody like, what are we, why are we not talking about the human struggle mm -hmm. and the human answer? Because there's all this envy out there and you don't want to present yourself as less it's than someone else. Vulnerability. You, it's you vulnerability. Said it. Vulnerability yes. is, is the biggest thing I think that's under attack in our society. When we, we harm the most vulnerable in our society, you know, we, we don't mind the vulnerability that we have to give it to God who wants that vulnerability to turn it into joy, right? I mean, this is, this is what our culture looks at. If you look through the lens of vulnerability in our culture, you will find the bedrock of how God can change it, right? Mm -hmm. But it can't, vulnerability can't go out on its own. It has to be something that you do yourself with an act of your will and humility, right? And, yeah. and, a big, a big shout out goes to teams of Our Lady. And from the first years of my priesthood until now, I've had a team that I've met with of multiple couples, married couples, and then I'm the kind of the spiritual director and we share highs and lows. We open up the scripture together. It's a wonderful program. I'm actually looking at kind of building a different program that can reach more families and have smaller groups to essentially do the same exact thing that you're sharing. And I can't tell you how many times we have experienced catharsis and great prayerful moments as a community 
of married couples and for myself as a priest sharing our highs and lows and opening ourselves up to what truly does make us happy and joyful. One that we are together, but Christ is drawing us together and he's given reason and purpose to the suffering that we're facing. And then the redemptive qualities of that draw us deeper into his love. And we need each other to be able to progress along the way of life. And we need to walk with each other and we need to create opportunities for that. You know, and that's not to say though, that once you find Christ, you'll never be unhappy again, because it is, it's hard to cling to him in the storm. Absolutely. And uh, like St. John of the cross, the dark night of the soul, you know, it's a journey, but the journey is unattainable, which is that full knowledge of God. So he's walking through darkness and he lives in darkness on this journey that he doesn't know where it's going to end. And it, it's crushing his soul. Um, Mother Teresa had deep bouts of spiritual depression and doubt. I mean, these are saints and they're experiencing the same thing. That so many other people are out there. Right. It's a struggle and it's, it's hard to hold your hand up for the Lord when you're falling in the water, like Peter in the storm, but it takes courage to do it, but it, that hand is always there to save you. And Christ yeah. experienced desolation Absolutely. in the desert, in the garden, on the cross, I mean, on the cross. Yeah. So he'd never ask us to do anything he didn't do. Yeah. On the you cross, know? when he shouted out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Exactly. I mean, he experienced all the loneliness and all the desolation that all humans have ever experienced in that moment. And on epic proportions, because he was, he was our creator. And he had we experienced it all at once. And he is like us in all things, even in that loneliness and desolation. So he understands you and he can help lift you out of this unhappiness that so many of you are in. And when we consider exactly what you're sharing, Paul, is the whole sense of Christ's invitation into greater communion with him. So yes, he had desolation, but if you're experiencing desolation, if you're prayerful about it, Christ is going to invite you into his desolation. Right. And when that happens... That is the occasion of joy. That is the occasion of happiness. You know, sometimes one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard is that sometimes the only way that God can get into a heart is by breaking it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the only way God can find a way into that deepest part of you is by finding a crack. And sometimes that's through a broken heartedness. Absolutely. I mean, you guys, I think on one of the shows were talking about sculptures and in Jeremiah 18. I don't know if you guys broke you know, that up. It says that, uh, you know, Jeremiah went to the potter's house. And the potter was there at the wheel making clay. And uh, it said that the, um, one of the translations says that the clay was spoiled. And I think to myself, well, what's the potter going to do? Just throw it out and start over. And it says in the scripture, it says, no, the potter reworked it mm. into something good. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. Like, that's the father. He takes what's broken. He takes what's spoiled. And he just says, no, 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 no. I'm going to rework you into something Not good. Not get rid of it. And that's hard. I mean, if you ever, you know, done pottery, oh, like it takes, it's horrible. <laughs> it, you, you beat it, you crush it, you start oh over. Gosh. I'm horrible at it. <laughs> Me too. So I stopped doing it. Uh, but, but the father doesn't. He never stops reworking us into something yeah. beautiful. And, and that's the thing. I, I think one of the things that's lacking in our spiritual culture is a lack of grit. People give up too easy. Um, and, Jesus is with us through it all. I mean, what's a greater, what's greater consolation? What's greater happiness? Uh, an answer or knowing that Jesus is with you. Mm-hmm. We, we are truly, we are truly clay in the potter's hands without a doubt. And thank God he is merciful with us that he just doesn't throw us out. Absolutely. There, there's a, there's an image that I, I love as well is, is broken glass, you know, and, and stained glass windows. 
It's like, you know, when we just focus on ourselves and, and, you know, we don't see ourselves in the big picture, we, we feel like a broken piece of glass. But when we are in the hands of the artist that is God, he places us in perfect line so that we fit a larger picture of salvation. So when the sun shines through it, it can be clearly seen. Mm-hmm. And these beautiful images, these metaphors, these analogies give us a sense of, yeah, I do feel broken. I do feel like I'm just a blob of nothingness. But no, in the hands of God, he can work us into something beautiful. Let's be patient and have a little bit of grit. I love Psalm 34. Um, The righteous cry out, the Lord hears, and he rescues them from their afflictions. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the troubles of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. You know, that's, it's really there for you. It's all there for you. Um, And he understands, I mean, deeply our Lord understands the brokenness of everyone. Um, now, before we fit, uh, continue this conversation, why don't you tell everyone about our sponsors and how we are able to bring on awesome guests like Paul and how um, these apps are some of the apps that can actually help them in this struggle. Absolutely. We want to give a big shout out to our sponsors, Exodus 90, as well as Hallow. Exodus 90 is a great program out there for all men considering taking the next step in their faith journey. With other brothers, they spend 90 days living austerely and praying and performing different acts of penance and austerity. Now, I've done this experience. Cold showers aren't too bad. And praying through Exodus can only give you a greater sense of an impetus to break through the chains of your own life with other brothers finding greater freedom in the prayer life. We also want to recognize our sponsor, Hallow, a great application that has quickly become the number one prayer app on the App Store. So be sure to check out Hallow, and there you'll find all these beautiful prayers that they've uploaded from daily meditations to rosary to scripture, Lexio Divina, and so much more. These young people were inspired by the applications like Calm that are out there, and this helps people calm down and meditate and center their thoughts. Well, this is a great form of meditative prayer in the Catholic tradition that's being driven through an application. Hallow creates a wonderful sense of our Catholic heritage of prayer, and they have just about everything, and they're continuing to expand their product as time goes on, so be sure to check them out. And if you do, visit their website and use the promo Catholic Talk Show, and you'll get premium contact for, for content for 30 days. And by using that, you'll be able to explore their full capacity of what they're offering. So be sure to check out Hallow, a great app for prayer. Yeah, you know, and talking about grit too, and you mentioned a really good thing culturally, how that's a something that's very difficult. And it's I think that's why God says it's very difficult for a rich man to enter heaven because you have all these things at your disposal to distract you and to comfort you, you know, in a in a very short window. Um, one of the things about grit, like that I learned, I was watching a, a podcast, I can't remember who it was, but this guy was talking about how he met all these very wealthy people and 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 this one was a kid. And he was 27 years old. He had inherited over a billion dollars from his father or something like that. And met him at a party. He's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I met this billionaire guy. I just started talking to him. He's like, dude, it's like I was talking to this, like, dead guy. Mm. Like, he's like, hey, yeah, was it, you know, I was in New York. I stayed with some friends over here. And it's like this guy had, like, no firm footing on anything in his life. He was just kind of floating around staying here, going there, doing this, doing that. And he's like, I felt really sorry for him. You know, and it's and it's not and not having that grit 
is, is, is something to defeat you that you overcome kind of makes you feel alive, you know, and it, it, it defines you who you are in, in a lot of ways in your character and how you, you know, how you approach things. Yeah. It's like the young man who came up to Jesus and asked, you know, what must we do to achieve eternal life? And the, uh, and Jesus said, well, you know, you do everything good. You keep the commandments, go and sell everything that you have and follow me. And the young man went away sad. That's yeah. exact. That's the one to bold and underline. He went away sad. sad. Because he loved his possessions. Yes. You know, I, I met this uh, NYPD beat cop years ago, and he was sharing with me just his own perspective. He said, you know, when I was, when I was you know, working, being in the poor neighborhood, you know, I didn't see a lot of suicides. When I went to the rich neighborhood, I was responding to suicides all the time. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's an interesting take because he, he lived it every single day. But I think there's something to be said about that. It's, it's one of the things I actually talk about in the uh, it, when because you know doing all this on happiness, it's like no, there's there's got to be answers to it. I don't want right. to just talk about like, hey, we're all unhappy and we're looking forward. There's answers to happiness. I do believe uh, one of them is and what we're talking about is detachment. You know, it's not so much, hey, I, I I I can't have money. It's it's being detached. Detached from the world, detached from things. These things don't define who I am, my identity. That's what we get stuck in. You know, like the, this is who I am. I'm attached to things. Uh, and, you know, Pope Benedict talked about that. He said the greatest poverty today is spiritual poverty. Absolutely. Uh, it's just this depth of spiritual poverty. And I remember having a meeting with uh, Cardinal Oscar Rodriguez Honduras. And he said that um, he said it's not. He said, it's not the poor that need God the most. He said, it's the wealthy because the poor know that they need God, but the wealthy don't always think that they do. That we live in a world where we just have so many comforts and things that we don't, we can go through our day and not even think about God. Right. You know, yeah. I can get on my phone. It's I can totally order food. I, I, it's yeah. just possible. Yeah. Whereas if you're, if, if you're completely detached, say you're living in a third world and you're looking at a hole in the ground and you're saying, Lord, please let water come out of that hole today so I can drink. That's a whole different reliance. Yeah, yeah, we have, you see what I'm saying? We have the luxury to be ungrateful. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think one of the keys to happiness is gratitude, mm -hmm. being grateful. So detachment, I think, and gratitude really play together. Mm -hmm. um, when you have detachment, you are starting, you, you use your things for a better good and you don't allow them because necessarily they will use you unless you use them for the proper end. Yes. And, and we all fall into that stuff. Sure. Absolutely. We detach, you know, I, I have fear that I can't take care of all my kids sometimes, or, you know, I have fear that, you know, I'm not loved by, you know, a certain group or whatever, you know, it's just, it's constantly there. You, you got to, and when I played baseball, there was this, I played shortstop. So lateral movement was a big deal. And you slide this way, slide that way on this machine. And every time I took my, my eyes off of this dot on the wall, which is supposed to center you, Right. I would get unbalanced. And so it's it's always like looking at God, you know, even though you kind of move this way or move that way, you still have that focus and you come back into balance, if you will. Mm -hmm. If you just keep your eyes focused. That's like motion sickness, you know, well, most attachment is uh, is saying, God, you're in control. You're in charge of my life. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. Like that's detachment. It's surrender. It's letting go and say, God, you're in control in the good, the bad and the ugly. Like you're in control. This is what builds spiritual grit. Mm -hmm. I think this is why we go through desolation in times of prayer is just saying, Lord, there is no answer, 
But the greatest gift I have right now is just knowing you're with me right in this moment, Mm -hmm. your peace, your presence. That's happiness. That's true joy is being able to take a deep breath and say, you know what I face today, but God's with me. God's in me. God lives inside of me. That that's the greatest gift that we have Mm -hmm. more than anything else. Indeed. Absolutely. You know, and then uh, again, that, that, that practice of gratitude, once you have that detachment, you can then not be um, ordered towards possession, but you can be ordered towards gratitude and reception. Yeah. So when things come to you, you can take an accounting of them and know that they are not your end. You are not made to accumulate or to have. These things are all gifts and they're all passing through you. And that gratitude then continues to orient you from detachment, again, towards a gratitude towards God. And you won't always be, feel that need for more and comparison and yeah. and lacking because you don't have enough. You're, you know, taking a little time every day to really account for what you have and who it comes from and being grateful for it is one of the most important things people can do to find a real happiness in this hyper commercialized and competitive and envy filled society. But now, if you're that, if, also takes detachment. It well, does. That's, it's that's almost, ultimately where it has it to be driven. Yeah. So From if you're sitting there thinking, you know, like, yeah, detachment, I do want to be happy. How do I get there? There's resources out there for you right now. Certainly check out Paul George's book, Rethink Happiness, Dare to Embrace God and Experience True Joy. Another book that I give to people that I'm giving direction to who are struggling as well, who need to get to detachment. It's one of the greatest books I've come across and I hand them out for free. Um, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence, The Secret of Peace and Happiness, a book by Jean-Baptiste de Saint-Jour. And it is a tremendous book, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence, The Secret of Peace and Happiness. It's a short book. It's It's a book that's intended to pray with. So pray with it slowly. Let it be a daily devotional for you. Read it multiple times, and I promise you it will provide you that cultivating spirituality of detachment that is so necessary you know, to what we're talking also, about. Um, searching for and maintaining peace by oh, yes. Father Jacques Philippe. It's oh, he's great, amazing. Yeah, he's he's the deal. Yeah. Like, he's the ninja. Yeah. You know, if you could have him on the show. Anyway, he that's yeah. a great book yeah. uh, to work with. And, and th- that kind of brings it into context, Father, is just developing this source of prayer and communication with, with the Lord it really is what roots us in happiness. It's, it's relationship. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the, you know, lack of community and all, all these things that the, the Lord kind of centers all that. And it's a relationship. It's, he's not a far off object. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he is a person, he is real, he is alive. He wants to be active in our life. Uh, and uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict talks about that. He says, we're not deist. We don't believe that the Lord created and stepped away. Mm-hmm. He says, no, the Lord created and stepped in, mm. in, yes. right? And the Lord wants to step into our life, walk yes. with us. Is there anything greater in happiness to know that God's walking with me, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in the in the midst of whatever I'm going through, that's joy. That's peace. You know, I have to, I have to share that in the experience, and I was actually sharing this last night in conversation, the experience of moving along the pathway of, of my priesthood, the more and more that I, that I enter into a desire for more poverty. And St. Ignatius of Loyola would express, you never modify your vow of poverty unless you are going to make it more stricter. Mm. And the beauty of the Catholic Church is that it provides structures of celibacy, poverty, 
silence, these various vows. These are that, all antidotes to uh, what we experience obje- in this like, world. But like objectively speaking, yeah. like the world looks at that and you're like, you're crazy. You're crazy. Yeah. You're crazy. You have, it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> so, but, but no, like the, to think that, you know, you're going to take a vow of poverty in this search for happiness, you're going to take a vow of celibacy in this search for happiness. People in the world, they, there's a struggle for commitment and there's, con- there's, there's concerns. I'll never forget my barber, Kwame, big shout out to, to those boys at Fine Grooming Studio in Arlington, Jacksonville. This is like a couple times you get yeah, a shout no, I love this. I love, wow, I love some, these guys. There's some wisdom there. I love these guys. But but he said when he found out that I was a priest, because for a long time it was just we were talking basketball, we were talking, you know, sports or whatever. And then he found out that I was a priest. And then like the questions started like, right, you totally. know, going, yeah. And and um, so he's like, celibacy, father. And like, you know, you ain't going to get no, you know, like, right. and he's just like yeah, asking yeah. these questions and. And um, he said, Father, I don't know, man. I'd rather go vegan than go virgin. <laughs> but, but, you know, it gave me a wonderful opportunity to start expressing this wisdom of, you know, where do we find our happiness? Right. And, and these states of life that the church has lived out Amen. for so long in the person of Jesus Christ, in his celibacy, in his poverty, in all of these various realities. And that's the thing is, Father, like, we don't give up where God's not going to give back. Yes. Like when we give up, God's grace pours in. He gives back. You're getting stuff out of your hands so they can put more in it. Exactly. You know, so if there's sin billowing up in your life, you can let go of it and be assured that God could fill Fill that that hole there, that gap. If, If you, you know, are attached to things, you could be sure that you could let go of them and God will replace it with you, something yeah, greater. This, this one guy told me something he's, in one of my really dark times before my conversion. He's like, you know, if you, if you think about yourself all day long, you're sure to have a bad day. Oh, 100%. Like if you start thinking about other people, God starts thinking about you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just like, how does that work, man? If I just stop thinking about myself and think about other people, what about me? Yeah. You know? And he's right. just like, you got to let go of that. And get in involved in what other people need, and I was just like, "Wow!" Um, okay. <laughs> in First uh, Peter five, number seven, cast all your worries upon Him because He cares for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that release and just trusting God. And all of the happiest people I've ever met live the most simple lives. Like I think of the Mercedarian Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament up in Cleveland. You cannot be around them without experiencing their joy. It is so happy, mm-hmm. and they live. So simply, and it's, they're not lacking. They're not like, I don't, I think they have like one cell phone between all of them. And they're like, oh, mother, can I use the phone? Cause we have to update. Like they don't have stuff and they don't care. They have so much joy, you know? So one of the things I talk about, and it's kind of that it's, yeah. And people who are listening, I've met poor people who are happy and unhappy. Mm -hmm. And I've met millionaires who are unhappy and happy. Mm. And I started thinking, what do the people who are happy on both ends of the spectrum, because the studies on happiness say this, once you have basic water, food, and clothing, there is no inflection point on your happiness based on how much more you have. As a matter of fact is the more you gain, there's more money, more problems. There's a, there's a, it plateaus for a while and then there's problems on the back end. Okay. And so there's no like, Hey, more, I'll be happy that, that all the studies debunk that. Uh, so I looked at what are the common denominators between a poor person who's happy, in a sense poor, you know what I mean, uh, and, a, and a wealthy person who's happy. And it's all this we're talking about. They can both have detachment. They can both have gratitude. They can both have community, 
right? Uh, they can both have a sense of prayer and solitude and quietness. Uh, they can both, you purpose. know, have a sense of purpose and mission. And you look at all those things and common denominators, when we lean into that, that's when we begin to find happiness, no matter mm. what scale we're on, no matter like, mm-hmm. you know, where you're at. Yeah. That so, is great data. So one of the most joyful saints ever, St. John Bosco, and I know you have particular devotion to him. He gave six tips for being happy, for leading a life of joy. And this is a saint. It's a St. John yeah. Bosco. <laughs> it's not a new concept we're talking about here. We've all been searching for this, right? right. So he says, live for God alone, right? Um, God gives, give God the greatest possible glory and honor him with your whole soul. If you have a sin on your conscience, remove it as soon as possible as a means of good confession and live for him fully. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. The second one is be a servant, never offend everyone, and above all, be willing to serve others. Mm. Be careful in your associations. Uh-oh. Um, you lay be... with the dogs, you wake up with the fleas, right. mate. <laughs> uh, Dang, man, I got something going on. I, mean, I think it's been you, man. <laughs> hey, man. You. He says, spend carefully. If you do not want to be ruined, never spend more than you earn, mm-hmm. which is living humbly, living simply. And then he says, be humble, speak little of yourself and never praise yourself. Even if you deserve it, because your opinion of others will eventually go away. And if you're seeking honor, you'll own up. Be He who seeks only praise and honors is sure to have an empty head fed, fed only by the wind. And then the mm, last one is carry that. your cross, carry your cross on your back and take it as this comes That's it. small or large, whether you're from friends or enemies and whatever would it be made of. That's it. I, we're all future saints. So we've been talking about this. And we didn't even yeah. know. It. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but John Bosco, I mean, that's a good example for holiness. Yeah, yeah. Is he like really the human dude. search engine? Like as we're sitting here, oh, he he's, just, he's, he's just, just pulling up data. He, 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 gets, he gets this like ding, and then he just starts going in here. And then Del Cross and I are normally like. You I know. Have a lot, there's a lot of connections and byways and something mm. comes up and I'm like, oh, yeah, that, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The brilliant mind of Ryan well, And Shield. when did uh, Bosco die. When did, like when 1890s? he lived? Yeah, that was yeah, 19. Yeah. Oh wow, 19, I didn't 19. realize that. Yeah, yeah, it was not too far uh, back. Yeah. Um, 1888. Uh, yeah, one. You know, I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana, and right outside of Lafayette uh, is a school that uh, uh, Saint Catherine Drexel founded um, wow. <laughs> in the early 1900s. She was someone who inherited at the time millions and millions of dollars. She was the upper crust of Philadelphia society, yeah. just a heiress. Yeah. yeah. Used it all to, she started all the first it. black university, Xavier in New Orleans, schools, and just gave it all. And like, she was as happy as could be, you know, mm-hmm. she found real purpose, mission, community, prayer. Uh, we don't always have to live in religious order, but we can have those pillars in our life, no matter what season we're in or what mm-hmm. vocation we're in to find happiness. Because that's the important thing. It's like... What, what are the pillars, right? Because, you know, you always go back to that pillar. It's kind of like that dot on that wall. It's like you get a little wonky, you go back to that dot. It's knowing that if I stay the course with these pillars in my life, if this becomes my sort of breeding ground of my life and my focus, that, yes, I'm going to go up and down, but God will always take care of you. If Absolutely. you've ever been on a boat and you've gotten seasickness, anybody who knows, like Howard, who's the good Gordon fisherman, is that you look at the horizon, Right. <laughs> You look at the horizon, that gives you a stabilization, a point of focus. And if Christ is always your horizon where the sun rises for you every day, that sickness and that disorientation that you experience in your life is not going to affect you. It's going, you're going to be able to have a point of focus that cures you of your disorientation. So I think down to the fundamentals and, you know, talking about detachment, talking about the importance of prayer, 
Uh, it's not having a lot and, you know, analyzing. I love that data that you provided for us, Paul, you know, in respect to the very, very wealthy, the very poor, you know, there's unhappiness in both. So where, where do we find happiness? The more that we, we narrow in community is essential and you don't have to belong to a religious community. You don't have to take some of these vows. Maybe you do want to live a form of consecrated life. But finding ways that you can join a community, even if it's like a Bible study at your local parish, if it's a, if it's a men's group, if it's a women's group, if it's a Knights of Columbus, CCW, um, CL, Communion and Liberation, if, if you're a young adult, you know, a young a young kid out there joining a youth group, joining a different sports, a different program, yeah. sports, athletics, yeah. that are, you know, having a sense of fellowship and and you continue to go back to you know the baseball analogy, which I which I love. But being a part of of a team, being a part of a common initiative, and especially if that initiative is prayer, if that initiative is communion with Christ and and learning about our faith and growing closer together in vulnerability of our own difficulties and sins, that that is a very powerful place of of happiness, a very powerful place of joy. Yeah, there was a study uh, done on this. It was a non-religious study. And this guy found, I don't know if you guys heard this, he says, uh, basically it comes down to this, we're the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. Mm. I mean, the, the sum of that, you know, like it, people shape us, you know, they either sh- sharpen us or, or mm. dull us, you know. And I've, I've even had to learn the art of getting out of relationships that aren't healthy for me, friendships yeah. that aren't good for me. It doesn't mean I can't love people or reach out to them or be a missionary in that, in, in that part of town or neighborhood or to that family. But my growth is dependent upon who I surround myself with. Yeah. But then there's also the balance of uh, God having people in your life for a reason that they might but you have to be Fine. able to help you healthy enough in yourself to be able well, to just, and that's, and that's exactly the right. most time with. So, gotcha. so that's, yeah. that's what the study is. It's okay. not who you spend, spend the mo- most like who, time yeah, with. Who, yeah. who kind of, you know, and that's what you say is find community. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. it could be um, in any, any way in your parish and, or whatnot. In creating space, what we've been talking about, when I was what, when I was like 19, 20 years old, I stepped away from the people I used to hang out with in my neighborhood because just the, the what we were doing occupation-wise mm-hmm. was not good for me. And I remember walking away for a few months and not having anybody to spend time with. I was reading the scriptures. I was praying the rosary. I was watching movies with my grandparents on the Catholic faith right. and all that like stuff. It was detox, man. Yeah, it was. It was detox. That's exactly what it was. And and I remember this one particular day, I was feeling real lonely and, and I just, I drove up to the end of the corner and and pulled over, hung out with some friends. Some things started happening and, 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 um, you know, lightning filled the sky and it started to rain. And I looked and I just felt like God was saying like, Rich, I am the all powerful God. I am not going to lead you to despair. Trust me and continue to walk with me. So I, I left the, that community, you know, for good. Like I, I just stepped away from it. Um, and I went courageously into the unknown. And then lo and behold, I, I meet Father Tedlo, who became my, you know, best friend. He's 30 year, 20 years older than me or whatever. Never could imagine of developing a friendship like that. Became my spiritual director, my mentor and, and got me involved in the church seven days a week. <clears throat> I mean, you have to walk away from certain relationships in order to get to the relationships that God yeah. is desiring to cultivate in your life. It's detachment, what mm-hmm. you said. But the other thing too is asking God <laughs> to bring these people in your life. And trusting that he'll do it because he will, because he wants the best for you. Without a doubt. Right. And so 
it's miraculous, right? How this whole this whole series of events worked out in your life mm-hmm. where you look back and you can only see the hand of God doing that and me the same. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I would how say, we met each other too. Yeah. I mean, how we met each other, yeah. how we're meeting each other today, you know, yeah. like all of this is, is very providential. Yeah. And I would also say that for anyone out there struggling with unhappiness, that the most powerful thing, the most powerful um, thing that you can do is have hope, you know, and hope is so intrinsically tied to the Catholic faith um, and continue to have hope and trust um, and, and to remember that faith, hope, and love are, are, are gifts. They are. And remember Romans 15, 13, that may the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing. Now, there's a lot of different ways to find happiness, but how can people find your book? Uh, easy. Amazon, just search Rethink Happiness. Uh, if you search Paul George, you could get me or a basketball player. PG-13. Uh, I, mean, I search Paul twice, George all the so time, actually. actually. Yeah, but, I'll make sure uh, I we look it. different, <laughs> so you should be able you're to You're about, the same, t- you're about uh, the same height, actually. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't see <laughs> that kind of stuff. And I was just, you told me this was Paul George, and I'm like, yeah, okay. let's have him on the show. <laughs> no, I'll make sure I put a link on this so everyone can get this book and uh, take a look yeah. at this, Rethinking Happiness. Um, yeah, we'll put links to the other books, too, as yeah. well. I mean, I think this is... Uh, this it's is, an important topic that doesn't get important. talked about. There's enough. a lot of people, including us, right? right? All of us struggle and with anxiety, stress, mm-hmm. pressures, fears. suffering, fears, the unknown. But God leads us to these realities so that we may break through them with the gifts of faith, hope, and love. And we must remember that hope, my brothers and sisters, hope is something secured in heaven. It's not a blind hope. It's something more than the hope that we root in this world. It's a hope that's entrusted with the promise from Christ Jesus himself, who has gone before us in all things. So let us take courage and let us take hope from Christ and in faith walk in him because he's filling us with love every day if we open ourselves to it. Great. See you guys next week. Great having you on. Thanks, Paul. Absolutely. Basketball player, Paul.